Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me today is Pastor Brian. Hello. And Meredith Stores. Hi, everyone. And um, we, we've got a, a, a treat today because, um, Meredith, if you've been reading or seeing either online on her, her webpage or on social media, Meredith's been spending the last few months, um, in addition to creating life, <laughs> She's also been reflecting on the creation of life, reflecting on both motherhood and um, and pregnancy. And Meredith, you're you're expecting a baby any day now, any moment now. Hopefully, we get through the podcast. I know uh, Phil's Phil calls this the splash zone, so it's really very precarious. (laughs) Who even knows? (laughs) So any moment now, but it's actually kind of a a, a really cool, um, unique time and opportunity to reflect on um, reflect on motherhood, reflect on pregnancy. We, we, which I think some people would be like, okay, well, I don't need to listen to that podcast, <laughs> but I'm excited because I think this is a podcast for everyone, right? For our entire church, as we think through both the, the unique dynamics of, of that, of motherhood, um, but also of manhood and womanhood generally. Um, uh, we, I, most people are probably familiar with the fact that we had a conference scheduled on manhood and womanhood for last spring and like all other plans it, that's gone out the window, which we're going to do again. <laughs> we, we, we are going to, to reschedule, but I also know both you, Meredith and Brian did a, a lot of work, even wrestling through that. And that the combination of that research combined with your pregnancy during this season has kind of provided a really unique opportunity for you, Mayor, to reflect on really the, the God-defined dynamics of, um, of these things that, I don't know, sometimes we just kind of take for granted as like life stages and, you know, and things that happen. So um, I, maybe why don't we start there? Mayor, how, how have you been reflecting on the nature of motherhood during this pregnancy, uh, maybe in ways that you didn't during your previous two? So uh, being pregnant in a pandemic is no joke. <laughs> it is definitely a unique experience. And as the you know spring began and summer went on and I started to realize that a lot of the hopes and dreams for this pregnancy were going to fall by the wayside. This is my, for those who don't know me, this is my third child and most likely my last. Uh, so I had a lot of things I wanted to do. I wanted to do photos in labor and delivery and you know, I had all these big dreams about my maternity fashion and stuff that I didn't get to do the first couple times. But because of the pandemic, a lot of those things are, you know, kind of crossed off the list and and not going to be possible. And I started to realize that if I continue to think about all of the sad things I was giving up, that I was going to miss the point of what I'm doing altogether. And, you know, because we had spent such significant time in the last couple of years researching and reading and and discussing these topics, I thought it would really be a perfect time to sort of put pen to paper and think about, you know, the significance of what it means to grow a life and the beauty of how that helps us to understand God in a really powerful and profound way. And it really helped redirect my focus, not to things that are sad to lose and, you know, appropriate to mourn, but 
things that ultimately have don't have eternal significance. And so this has really been uh, a really meaningful process for me to try to like craft and articulate some of the the content that we had been working on and really draw my mind to uh, God's goodness in light of even the chaos that we're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and such a, such a cool model, I think of what the Lord has been trying to do in all of our lives, right? Like finding the ways that uh, this isn't just a season of loss, but also a season of redemption and, 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 and unique opportunities. So I, I I'm not going to ask you to, to like summarize <laughs> everything you've been re- reflecting on over the last six months, but, but maybe if you could, um, Maybe share a little bit just about how you see the Imago Day uniquely demonstrated in the role of mothering. Uh, that was my, that was a FaceTime call. Great. Sorry about that. Um, let, let me try that again. You didn't hear anything? No. It was just me. Oh, that's both. And that's even more annoying. Okay. Um, how, why don't you maybe share with us a little bit about how you see the Imago Day uniquely demonstrated um, in the role of mother? So. Throughout the Bible, we see some really incredible images of God that are very feminine. And I've for a long time been really fascinated and um, impacted profoundly by these these analogies where you see um, in Isaiah, God describes himself like a laboring woman or a nursing mother. And so those kinds of experiences that are exclusively feminine God will still use them to help us understand who he is in this more full way. You know, in our finite humanness, we cannot comprehend the majesty and the incredible greatness of God. And so he comes down to our level with with some of these analogies. And so as I think about things like nursing, laboring, childbirth, a lot of those, I mean, even like housing, like I've got a human living inside my belly who kicks me regularly. It's such a bizarre human experience, and yet it helps point to these incredible realities about who God is, that he is someone who nourishes us and sustains us, that he makes a home for us, that he creates these spaces throughout scripture, the garden and the temple and the new heavens and earth where we get to engage with him. and. Even there's a a passage in Psalms where David talks about, uh, describes God almost like a midwife. And so as somebody who has gone through labor and delivery and and about to experience that part of it again, it's just really, really remarkable to think about like our God who does these things in a incredibly more perfect and profound way than even like our human experience can articulate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just what a powerful... Um, way to reflect on all of life and every aspect of life, every aspect, unique way, part of God's design in seeing it as purposely designed um, as reflections of him, as his image bearers, right? Things to teach us about his nature, even uh, about things that are distinctly uh, masculine or male that teach about his his nature, things that are distinctly feminine or female that teach distinctly about his nature is such a, a, a powerful reminder. And I think gives a, 
even more richer appreciation to all of us for these different aspects of his design when we'd maybe even be tempted to uh, dismiss it as well. Yeah, that that's weird. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> I don't know why he did it that way. Uh, but okay. Uh, but looking for his fingerprints in it is yeah. such a, uh, a powerful and, and deepening experience. So you, you've also, I think in this written that mothering is something that's not only for those who can physically have children, but it, it's, it's something that, there's aspects of mothering that are for all of us. Um, wh what do you mean by that? I mean, why isn't this, why shouldn't this just be a uh, podcast for mothers or a podcast for women? Like, why should we be talking about this, about motherhood and, and pregnancy as a church? I think there's a couple things going on here. The first is that in the church, we are described in the Bible as a family. And so that means that we're all brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. And so there's a way in which understanding a mothering role helps us see the way we interact together in the family of God. And then for all women, that means that whether or not you physically mother your own children, we are participating as mothers in the church family. And so the better we understand what motherhood is like and the peek behind the curtain that we can get into some of these things that, you know, in the ancient world, they would have seen women feeding their children. And so they would understand like the passage in first uh, Peter about what it means to long for pure spiritual milk. Like that would make sense in a different way. But if you've never seen any of those things, if you've never experienced mothering in that kind of close way, you might miss out on some of the richness. And so there's a way in which understanding mothering can help us understand our role in church and then also see that image of God. I mean, I just love how as we get older, like scripture becomes so much more radically profound. The more we experience in the life, personally, the more we see in our community, the more we are, I'm just personally amazed at who God is and what he has done. I can't wait to be 80. I think we're going to have a lot of fun <laughs> talking about all the cool things that God has shown us and taught us over the years. Uh, I, I, I totally resonate with that. I think it's, it's such a joy um, when we see things eternally, like getting older and, 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 you know, none of us are that old, but getting older provides this, um, this reason for rejoicing, mm -hmm. this reason for uh, a deepening and, and reflection um, when you're not bought into the idolatry of youth that our church or the, 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 that our world promotes, right? There's this, you can appreciate, and you can appreciate each season for the unique blessings that they are, right? That, that doesn't um, denigrate youth, but it, it, it puts it in its particular context with the, um, the, the, the energy and unique opportunities that that provides as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's so broadening. So I actually, I think that's a helpful segue to just how this fits into even that that appreciation for motherhood generally fits into our larger vision for biblical manhood and womanhood um i mean since we since we weren't able or haven't been able to yet have the conference talk about this kind of more broadly uh, brian i mean i 
I'm not even sure exactly what I'm asking you because I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot to, to try to summarize um, what well, we were having trouble summarizing in, in a day, in, uh, you know, five minutes. But how does that vision for, like, how does that vision for motherhood strike you as you reflect on all the thinking you've been doing about God's design for manhood and womanhood generally? I think one of the things that we struggle with now, um, culturally, it's probably more of a Western thing. Um, but one of the things that we struggle with a lot is the question of what makes, you know, a man, a man and a woman, a woman beyond just sort of sheer biology. Um, and so there's lots of sort of cultural ideas about that and Christian cultural ideas about that. And they kind of run the gamut, you know, from, you know, a man is someone who lifts heavy things and, you know, I don't know, carries a sword or something, you know, to, to you know, a woman is, should spend time in the kitchen or the, the exact opposite of that. You know, there's, there's also versions that are coming to the complete opposite. You know, a woman should be out there and, and doing everything that a man does. And a man should be, I don't know, like making sure he's in touch with his inner child and crying. There's like all this stuff. You can find a, a version of what it means to be a man or a woman, you know, in any flavor you like right now. And that's actually really problematic because it leaves you with no actual guidance. Um, when, you know, when being a man or a woman is everything, it means that it's nothing. And so you kind of don't know what to do. And especially in Christian, uh, in Christian areas of this thought, you kind of have like, you feel like you need more than everything, that there's some sort of biblical guidance that you want to have. And what we've done, um, especially kind of over the last maybe a few hundred years, I don't know, it's hard to ballpark that. What we've done is we've kind of uncoupled being a man or a woman from anything that's really biological and especially from procreation. Um, so that like being able, so to, all things Meredith is saying about being able to you know, have a child that a, a, a female body um, is set up to do in a way that a man's body is clearly not is something that is for us analogous to, I don't know, being able to like roll your R's. It's just kind of like this thing that you, it has nothing to do with who you are. It's just this thing you can do. Um, and the Bible would want to push back on that, but not in the way that we're used to. I think the way we're used to pushing back on that is there's a, an assumption that, well, that means that we need to go back to kind of a 1950s, women are all wives and moms, and they do that in a very particular kind of cultural way. And men are all, you know, wearing suits and going to work and coming home and, you know, having their pipe brought to them by their kids or, you know, whatever else, you know, you're, you're supposed to do. Uh, when that's not really what I would say the Bible does at all, and I think Meredith has put her finger on it in a lot of really important ways, where what you have is the idea of being able to mother a child um, or father a child uh, or... The idea to be able to uh, sibling, a sibling, just an older or younger brother or older or younger sister, are things that are not just kind of random or arbitrary uh, realities that you kind of jump into. That they're, and they're more than just biological things that you happen to be able to do, like a biological, like you can jump really high and you can also have a baby. Like those aren't, the idea is that uh, procreation and what it means to, to mother and father, to sister and brother, are things that are actually built into us at a more fundamental level than just abilities that happen to be physical, such that to be a woman is connected to be to being a sister and a mother, but not in ways that if you don't have your own physical child, um, that you're cut off from. And the same with it be a, being a father. You know, being a father is, is and being a brother is built into being a man in a way that is bigger than whether or not you have physically produced, you know, biological offspring. 
or have brought kids into your house in some way. And so that's one of the big things that the Bible does is it teaches us, like Meredith said, to be, you know, to treat each other like mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers in the church. And that means that therefore our relationships with one another are cued not off of whether or not we actually have, you know, biological sisters and brothers in the church or mothers and fathers, but they're cued off of what it means to be that for one another in ways that speak to how we're made. And so that's, that's a half decent summary. And I think what Meredith is getting at in a really helpful way, being pregnant right now is the beautiful thing is it's not, she's not restricting it to women who are pregnant or women who are mothers is that there's something deeper about motherhood that transcends uh, the biological reality and speaks to what it means to relate to other people as human beings who are born male and female. So that's, that's at least a half decent shot. I, that, 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 that's like a three quarters decent shot, man. That was, that was really good. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think, um, I, I think that's really helpful. And the thought that comes to my, my mind is it, it's almost like simpler practically to even work from um, the, the easier examples to the, the more complicated, right? Like being a, being an older brother is different than being an older sister. Right. If you ha- if you have an older brother, that's different than having an older sister. And it's it's different whether you're a boy or a girl. Right. If you're a boy with an older brother, that you un- that relationship's unique. If you're a boy with an older sister, that re- relationship has its own unique dynamics as well. The same is true um, with a girl. But not not being a biological older brother doesn't cut you off from being an older brother in the family of God. Right. From engaging in and loving people as an older brother as that that role would call you to and and i what, what i hear you saying is the same is true with fatherhood and and motherhood as well right that there there is a um th- there's a difference between being a father and being a mother and i think in, in one in some senses we don't have time to like <laughs> explore all the all the di- dynamics of that uh here and but there's a difference between being a father and being a mother and being a man and being a woman carries with it that unique um, the aspects of that unique calling that even if you don't have a, a um, immediate family or a biological family where you are manifesting uh, fatherhood or motherhood, there are God provides relationships, right, and a community where those identities of manhood and womanhood, which are intertwined with uh, fatherhood and motherhood, or brotherhood and sisterhood, um, all have opportunities for uh, expression and, um, and 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 living that out. I mean, that, that's right. That's that's what I hear. And so, in light of that, I think that there is actually something even more significant than we realize to be gleaned from the reflections of a mother, um, a pregnant mother, right? A mother who's about to give birth. Like there is a, there's there's something unique to be gleaned from there for um, all women in the church, regardless of life stage or call or, specific calling, and even for men in the church to reflect on their appreciation and, um, and understanding of womanhood generally, 
um, and motherhood specifically. And so, I mean, in light of that, Mayor, I, I would love to, I'd love to hear you reflect even a little bit more on the dynamics of both what you glean in the unique aspects of of pregnancy specifically, but also how that relates to um, the work that women are called to in um, life or in their various callings. If that, if, that, if, if that question actually like it leads you to a <laughs> I think so. Okay. So, okay. so here's what kind of comes to mind and I'm not sure if it'll quite answer it, but yeah. uh, I've been kind of going back to like, I took a birthing class, but it was eight years ago. And I, I think I remember how this is supposed to work, and, but it's been a while. So I've been going back to some of that and, and just looking up like the science and the research of what happens to a woman's body in labor. And there's some really interesting observations that scientists have made about brain changes and, and hormones and chemicals that are released literally as you give birth. And they they, they restructure the wiring in your brain to prepare to nurture. And I mean, what incredible design that first off that God like <laughs> envisioned that, but it really reminds me of the way in which the Holy spirit rewires us as we grow in our faith. And there are ways in which we become more like Christ Our our the way that we see the world, the way that we experience things is shaped through this combination of, of spiritual formation and personal experience. And, you know, when I think about what like the process of labor does to our bodies and minds, it really beautifully parallels a lot of what God is doing in all of us as he grows us spiritually and uh, you know, we're not brains that just happen to float in one gendered body or another. There's really a connection between who we are in our physical selves and how we think about the world, how we see things, how our minds work. And honestly, it's still so mysterious to me. It's still something that I love learning about and trying to understand and wrap my head around. And you know, as I'm, I'm processing the aches and pains and some of the beauty of, of physical pregnancy again in this moment, it's been, I, I've really grown in my capacity to meditate on scripture, not just to intellectualize, but to think about like, wow, like you designed us so brilliantly, or, you know, I have these like deep, passionate feelings toward this child I've never met. And to think about how that reflects the the depth of love that God has for us as his children. I mean, they're just myriad examples, I think, mm -hmm. as you're physically experiencing this kind of season, that if you take the time to really meditate on how that connects to scripture, how that connects to who God is, it it offers a richness in our faith that I think sometimes we we just sort of live life and go through the motions and do the things and uh, you know we don't often take time to stop and really think about like what God has done. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I I think that's so helpful and it reminds me not only of how much we have to learn 
reflecting on those experiences about God. I think, you know, you as a woman can reflect on that experience and that teaches you about what God's like, what his love is like, the, the, the nature of it. But also, and as a man, there are aspects of my experience that can also similarly teach me about what God is like, about what his love is like. Um, but I also get a unique perspective that is different than my own experience by uh, watching my wife's experience and her engagement with our children. I learned something about who God is and about what his life's, what his love's like that I wouldn't learn on my own, but I wouldn't learn simply by looking at my own experience. But I also don't have to be married to have that experience, right? Like yeah. I could be single and in the family because our, we're a family together. In our family, I can look at other, I can look at your experience, Meredith, and, and your experience with your children, your experience of um, even the, the process of that, long, that, that longing to nurture that God's built in, in in certain ways. And I can learn things about who God is, about his love for me that, again, otherwise, um, that the, the, the family provides that otherwise I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't get to see just kind of from my own perspective. So, yeah, and, and, and I, that's really why I, I was so eager to write about this as I was going through it, because I knew if I didn't put it down, I might miss some things or forget some things. But you know, in the family of God, when we have the opportunity to share these experiences with each other, we all are able to grow. You know, when I hear from brothers and, and fathers in the church about what it's like from that side, I learn so much uh, about who God is. And, and so I, I hope we can find more opportunities when we're experiencing different kind of life moments to share that in our community groups with the church family, because those different perspectives really impact us so profoundly. Yeah. And I think this is especially helpful given the, the just absolute confusion our world has about gender right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that as Christians, our tendency to is to react by saying like, no, it's not that like you, you're, you're wrong. And it's, um, I mean, honestly, like the way you're offering some definitions is just like, it's, it's crazy. Like it, it is just unthinkable. Um, and I think we, we react in passion against that. But I actually think the most powerful thing we can do as the church is to develop and uphold God's complex, beautiful definition of gender. Because I think it's something that that so much of the world is going to look at if it's truly uh, explained, if it's um, developed from his word, mm -hmm. it's something the world's going to look at and be like, Oh man, there's a richness there that I long for that I, that I miss because uh, we aren't all interchangeable, yeah. <laughs> right? This, it, it doesn't make sense like this. So in light of that, actually, I'd love for both of you, I'd, I'd love to hear from both of you, just kind of in, in light of that dynamic, maybe if we are, if the best way forward for us is to, as Christians, develop this increasingly biblical definition of manhood and womanhood, um, I'd love for you each just maybe... Uh, just to leave us with something to chew on, like, what is one assumption about manhood and womanhood that you hope Christians might 
reconsider, right? That maybe you feel like Christian culture kind of like has carried in with it a certain assumptions about what manhood and womanhood is that maybe we ought to think a little bit more carefully about. I would say one thing that I would really want to see is us being more aware of the uh, assumptions we bring in to this topic. Um, and by being more aware of those assumptions, I think we're going to have a better chance of, it, it's sort of the fish and water thing. You know, like if you don't know it's there, it's hard to know it's there. You're just going to swim in it. Um, and in the same way, I think we tend to bring in a lot of assumptions about what it means to be a man or a woman, um, or even as we're talking now about, you know, mother and father, brother and sister, uh, we live in a really kind of truncated time when it comes to family. Um, family is something that, it, 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 while it's not like we have the corner market on people being bad parents or bad siblings, the reality is I think most pastors today know the experience of having to qualify calling God father, uh, you know, like having to qualify like, or mother or whatever, like mother's day and father's day. Like it didn't used to be, I mean, those are kind of new holidays, but you didn't used to have to bring up the idea of mother or father or even brother or sister and have to immediately qualify and kind of backpedal in case you've had a bad experience. Um, that's somewhat new, not totally new, but somewhat new. Um, and I think for a lot of us, we just have a lot of weird baggage when it comes to what mother, father, brother, sister mean, let alone what it means to be a man or a woman. Um, and if we're not aware of those things, then you can hear the entire conversation we've had through a really skewed lens and go like, well, I don't want to be like my dad. Like, so, or, or I don't want to be like my big sister <laughs> or, or whatever, um, and not really know how to process that. And so all of a sudden the entire conversation is in like a carnival mirror for you. Um, and so just being more aware of you know, how much we bring in, kind of leave it to beaver gender roles, you know, to how much, when we think about being an older brother, do you immediately think about someone like, like beating up someone that insulted their sister? Like, is that what you mean by that? Like, like there, there's just these, and you can't help but have those. It's, it's not a problem. It's just, it is what it is. We, we bring those with us. And so being able to know what those are and then say, okay, is that what, where the Bible would dictate we go with those concepts? Or is there something else to be had? Um, something different maybe than what our immediate culture has given us. That would be one thing. And then just to throw one more on the pile, I think one of the beautiful things that Meredith is doing is reckoning with how in a weird way, innate, a lot of this stuff is, how it's not learned the way we tend to learn most things. The way we tend to learn most things is kind of be a proposition from a distance. So there's a textbook on it and you, you read the book and you learn the theory and then you try and apply it. Um, most life isn't like that and most learning really shouldn't be like that. And this is a particular area where that's dangerous um, because what we're saying when we say, you know, be a mother, father, sister, brother in the church is the kind of thing that you you have to learn in some ways by doing. And, you know, it's fascinating. Everyone, it's a cliche. If you have biological kids or adopted kids, uh, if kids in your home, uh, there's a whole thing. It doesn't come with a manual. That's really interesting. Um, and it tells you that there's a way of learning how to do these things that is innate in a certain way. You don't just follow your heart with it, but it's also not something that you learn completely from the outside. And so when we talk about the Bible's definition of these things, we're also talking about how the Bible would teach us to line up with the way the world actually works, to go with the grain of created reality. 
such that I think a lot of people, when Scott, you said earlier, you know, for the church to be kind of a, a picture of what this looks like. In some ways, what we're asking is not that the church would learn something, to, a, a foreign language, and then start speaking it. We're saying that the church would learn the language of creation. This is how this works. This is how it goes. And when you have the Holy Spirit involved, it then goes with love and humility and, and the fruit of the Spirit and these sorts of things that create this beautiful picture. So we're not asking people to learn something totally different and outside of their, you know, their, their reality. We're asking us to get more in touch with the way reality actually is. And the more you look at what the culture is doing, such a broad term, but what, you know, what culture is doing in our particular area with things like gender, being a man, being a woman, you begin to realize how incredibly theoretical it is just how abstract it is and with very little touching points in the lived reality of people. And so what Christians get to do, the beautiful thing is we get to say, no, this is a very earthy, very intrinsic, very physical, very just like lived experience. What we're doing is, is what creation is. And so that becomes a beauty all of its own. So I'd encourage you to check your assumptions and your baggage and also reckon with the fact that this isn't something totally foreign to you, too high, too far for you. This is built into you by God himself. And so it's probably gonna look different than your baggage. And it's also probably gonna come a different way than you're used to. But embracing that together under God's word is gonna be a really phenomenal thing. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, I would just add like, my hope as we as a church have these kinds of conversations is that, you know, depending on what form of church or non-church you grew up in or, or what your cultural experience was about these definitions of being a man or being a woman. I really think that the world sadly has the most narrow definitions. And the reason I think people are trying to find a tribe or a pronoun or something that they feel like they fit into is because the cultural definitions have been so narrow for so long. And while the Bible offers us specific and complementing definitions of manhood and womanhood, they're also really broad and inclusive. And there's a place for men and women who don't follow what the world might call a traditional mold, or even what some churches in history have defined. And, and it really invites the diversity of women, the diversity of men to participate in the family of God with their unique culture, their unique gifts and, and skills in a way that is uniquely feminine or uniquely masculine. So, so I, I feel like the Bible gives us a bigger and better picture of manhood and womanhood than what we've been offered from the world. Absolutely. That's so, I mean, it's so exciting. That's why I've, I've enjoyed, I mean, just over the last year, these conversations, even in preparation for this so, so, so much, because it's just, opened up so many doors and, and really because of that answered so many questions that I've even had um, not only personally, but even as I raise my kids and teach them and, and try to instill into them what, uh, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman um, without telling my boys that it means being just like me. Right. Yeah. Or telling my girls, it means just being just like their mom. Um, yeah. It's just so helpful. Okay. So, I mean, it makes me want to talk about it more. But Brian, when are we going to get to dive deeper into this as, as a church? Oh, I, I have no idea. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was two weeks ago we decided to have in-person services again outside. So, I, I mean, I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much the answer I knew. But Okay. <laughs>
I, but I, I do want, I, I, I did want to at least like highlight the fact that we, we do, we, we are planning on diving deeper into this together as a church. This isn't something that we're like, oh, we didn't have that opportunity to talk about it. I guess we missed our opportunity. You know, it's not really important. Like this is important. It is the types of things that we're uh, excited to dig deeper into. How that's going to plan out over the next year, we don't know how anything is going to plan out over the next year, but. Um, Hopefully it'll take all sorts of different formats as well. And that's why actually I'm really excited to, I was really excited to, to get this opportunity to use this format even to talk about it a little bit. And um, Meredith, I'm so thankful for the way just you've served uh, us and the church by putting some of your thoughts down um, and sharing them with so many of us. And, and also um, by taking the, the time at, this point in life at this point in your pregnancy to just reflect on this with us because i think that it is um you know i i feel like in a lot of life when you think about pregnancy and even kind of ramping up to it like there's a lot going on for you um right emotionally as a family there's a lot going on for your family there's a lot going on physically uh, but the temptation is to be like well you're supposed to just like work up till like two weeks before the baby comes and then you take time off, like as if nothing else is going on, right? Like nothing's <laughs> supposed to change. And so I, I love the opportunity, the unique opportunity this is to not have this conversation in spite of the fact that you're about to have a baby, <laughs> but to have this conversation actually in light of the fact that you're about to have a baby. I think there is something really unique. And so I, I just wanted to thank you for uh, sharing this moment with us uh, because I think there's some really unique wisdom that comes from it, like, like all different stages of life. Absolutely. So thank you guys. And thank you everyone for listening as well. Um, we will see you either virtually or in person on Sunday. Woo. <laughs>